question. Yes, um, if you'd like to uh, ask questions, I'm certainly very happy to uh, hear them. And um, let me just zoom this a little bit here. And our trap's gay. <laughs> I'm not falling for that one again, my friends. Not for the 23rd time. So, yeah, if you want to help out, I'm happy to take some super chats, of course, on this lovely Saturday evening. Let me ask you this, though, my friends. Can you see the mug? I'm not going to rip off the old simultaneous sip, but can you see the mug? And seeing the mug, can you tell me what it is in reference to? Uh, it's probably pretty easy for you guys, for sure. I'm happy to take some super chats. If you want to help out the show, of course, you can go to freedomainradio.com forward slash domain, uh, <laughs> freedomainradio.com forward slash donate, and uh, you can uh, watch, uh, sorry, you can help out the show with uh, some donations or a donation or two, which would be excellent. And I'm happy to take on some questions. I certainly have some thoughts of my own once in a while. Am I doing a mug club? I am not. Am I keeping up with Vox Day? I am not. Uh, I'm actually um, working on a wide variety of projects at the moment. But um, let's see here. Am I Jewish? I am not Jewish. Is my mother a Jew? She is not a Jew. Um, my understanding is, I did talk about this years ago in a podcast when I was just sort of speaking off the cuff, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And yeah, family history was that my grandfather had a Jewish wife. Uh, she was a stepmother, uh, of, a step-grandmother of mine. So no, I am not, uh, I am not Jewish. Uh, I've never been to a synagogue. I was raised as a Christian and all of that. Is your mother a Jew? And does it matter? Just <laughs> good arguments or bad arguments. That's really all that matters. Uh, J.F. Garyepi, Garyepi. Um, yes, I uh, am in contact with him and uh, we will work something out, I am sure. Is my, is my reference something to do with Hugh Axton? Yes. I love your hair, Steph. Well, that makes one of you because my hair did not love me. <laughs> do you think that Alberta may ever separate from the rest of Canada and become its own country? Well, I'll tell you. There will be some significantly great incentives for Alberta to do that uh, coming up. Canada, like Ireland, is going through this completely mental immigration madness. Uh, all walls of, of sort of common sense and, and barriers have just collapsed and there's like 300,000 plus people coming into Canada, almost all of them from the third world every single year. It is a complete madness. There's no plan. There's no infrastructure. There's not. See, when you have kids, you have a baby boom, you can figure that out pretty quickly in a country, right? You have a baby boom. And what happens? Well, women get pregnant. They go to their doctors. They then go to have the babies usually in hospitals. And you can keep a record all, of all of that. And then you can plan for, you know, a year or two, maybe you'll need some daycare spaces, five, six years, you'll need some school spaces. And you can get all of that stuff going. But you just, people come pouring in, pouring in, pouring in. And people say, ah, well, you see, in Canada, though, it's different because you see what they've done is uh, they have uh, tests that you've got to be educated and this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah, well, okay. Some percentage of Canadian immigrants come in that way. But then there's all these family 
extension and, and bring in your great-grandmother with diabetes to be taken care of by the healthcare system in Canada. It's, um, it's really mad. Uh, it's really mad. Uh, and it seems to be almost like a couple of countries around the world, I don't know which ones they're going to be, but a couple of countries around the world are going to need to be sacrificed. You know, maybe it's Sweden, right? I, I, if you want to follow Peter Sweden on Twitter, he's great. Constantly talking about the the bombings, the the hand grenades, uh, lobbings, and all of the stuff going on in Sweden. There's going to have to be some terrible thing that happens in some country, and maybe that will wake people up. It's hard to say, though. I mean, there's this willful blindness that just defies the imagination uh, or defies reason. Really, there's a willful madness going on in the West at the moment. I mean, just look at something like 9/11 in America. What happened? I mean, after 9/11. America took in more Muslims than before 9-11. It's, uh, it's crazy. So people won't listen to reason. Like, so people say, well, it's just skin color. It's like, no, no, no. Race, if you want to know how someone is going to vote, if you know their gender and you know their race, you know how they're going to vote very accurately. And white people, much more diversity in white people's opinions. But in general, if you want to know how someone is going to vote, like if you're in America, if you're black, and I know Candace Owens is, is with her Blexit is trying to fix some of this. But if you're black, 90 plus percent, you're going to vote for the Democrats. If you're Hispanic, it's hugely uh, overwhelmingly that you're going to vote for the Democrats. And uh, if you're East Asian, if you're Jewish, I mean, you are going to vote for the left. And the only thing that stands between the left and its takeover and subsequent horrors in the West are white males, which is, of course, which is why white males must be so uh, demonized at all times and under all circumstances. So, yeah, it is a, it is a mess. You know, it's like, oh, well, stop judging people collectively. It's like, well, that would be great. <laughs> It'd be great. I'd love, I would love nothing more than to stop judging people collectively. But, but that's a little tough to do when they keep acting in a collective manner, right? <laughs> Don't judge blacks collectively. Okay, well, maybe if more than 90% of blacks didn't vote for Democrats, it would be a little bit easier to stop looking at them collectively. If there was more diversity in the black community or the Hispanic community in terms of what they vote for, like blacks and, and Hispanics in general will vote for socialism, for government redistribution, which is in general white male taxpayers pay the vast majority of taxes. And so what happens? Well, uh, blacks and Hispanics uh, vote to take away resources from white male taxpayers. And then you have to say, well, you can't judge people collectively. Yeah, you kind of can in, in many ways. Not, not in terms of IQ or anything like that, just in terms of voting patterns. I, IQ, well, IQ collectively to some degree, sure, not individually, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, we make these decisions all the time when it comes to things like that. So, all right. Let's uh, get a couple of questions uh, going. So, yeah, I think Alberta gets this kind of stuff. You know, here's the difference. It's a silly it's a silly thing, but I think it's kind of real. One of the things I've noticed, and let me know, know what you guys think, but one of the things that I've noticed is that if you've ever been, like if you've ever really worked with your hands, then it's kind of tough to get all this postmodern neo-Marxist claptrap into your brains, right? Like... If you've ever done hard physical labor, if you've ever worked in an unforgiving material environment, it's really hard to get all kinds of postmodernity and abstract and, and all that kind of stuff. It's really tough because you have worked with bare, bold, prosaic, practical, empirical reality 
So it's kind of tough to say everything's subjective when, you know, like for me, the big awakening thing was spending, I spent, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember this. So after high school, I left high school a semester early because I'd taken some extra courses because I was just desperate to get out. And so I then went to work. Uh, my father's a geologist and he had a, a contact who got me a job, gold panning, prospecting and all of that up north. And sometimes I worked in the towns, uh, like we'd go out and get the samples, right? So the general theory that we were working with, or I was working for, the, the theory was, if you follow the glacial patterns, right, uh, of, of uh, northern Ontario, if you find indication of gold, an indication of gold, then if you follow the glacial patterns up, it should have smeared it down from somewhere, right? It should be along, like, <laughs> I hate to say a... a um, uh, a skid mark, you know, but a long sort of skid mark of gold, and you can follow it back to its source. That was the idea. It never quite panned out, sorry to say. But um, after high school, I went to work there, and I worked there, I guess, yeah, it was early. I left, um, I guess, December, I left high school. It was early the next year I started working up north, and then I worked there through to the following summer, uh, and then I did another summer up there. So 16 or 18 months probably all in total uh, with some time off sort of in between. And it's pretty tough to have this abstract, goofy, postmodernist stuff when you're hauling giant Pionja drills around trying to get down to the bedrock so you can find the gold because gold is heavier, so it settles right above the bedrock. So we'd have these drills. We'd drill them in and have this, not a giant machine. It was pretty damn heavy, though, like 70, 80 pounds. You'd have to haul it around, with, and then you'd have to have the drill bits and, and so on. And you would uh, uh, pound the drill bits in using this machine. that It kind of goes up and down, pounds the drill bits in, and then you'd take the machine off. You'd feed another drill bit on it, go down, and you just, until you hit the bottom, right? And then it grabs a sample, you bring it back up, and then you pan that sample to see if you can find any gold. And that's kind of the deal. And it was like brain-blisteringly, back-crushingly hard work at times. And I didn't mind it. I mean, I've... I've always been a kind of physical guy, so it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm too delicate, right? You know, I've been working pretty hard jobs uh, off and on. But but this was, that's a whole other level. I mean, I had a guy in the camp. I should do a whole show on this once just for those who are interested. But there was a guy in the camp who was too old for this kind of work. Uh, he was in his, um, it's funny now, looking back, he was in his early 50s, which to me seemed like antediluvian. But now, of course, I'm in my early 50s. But this guy was so beat up by this work. And he was an educated guy. He, he was a, like he had a master's in geology and he was an educated guy. And he would throw his back out doing this kind of work so hard that he'd have to lie sometimes for a day or two. He couldn't work. He'd have to lie on a plank just to try and get his back to stop seizing. It's, it's, it's hard work. And so it's kind of hard to be all abstract. And the reason I'm talking about this, of course, is that there's lots of natural resources in Alberta. There's that prosaic, foundational, Protestant kind of common sense that comes from sort of hard physical labor. And I don't usually trust people who've never done any hard physical labor. I, I mean, I'm sorry, like, it, it's just a kind of prejudice. I don't know if it's fair or not. But it's hard for me, like when people are like, oh, yes, you know, well, I, my father ran the business, and then I went to school and I, I entered daddy's business. I'm like, yeah, you don't know, you don't know. You don't really know much about the world if you haven't done anything like that. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, Robert uh, Atkinson, thank you for your support, says, Can we get a review review of Cobra Kai? It is a YouTube series. Social Justice Warrior isn't horrible. YouTube Red is free, so you can easily binge it. Ten half-hour episodes. Dude. 
I appreciate that. Um, you want me to do five hours plus um, plus a review? That's quite a lot. So I'm really going to have to uh, say uh, say no to that. Sorry. Um, I did yeah, something interesting. Uh, I I did do a um, I went to go and see a play in New York, and it's a, a, a sort of famous play by Sam Shepard called True West, and Ethan Hawke was in it, who's an actor I kind of like, even though he's kind of nihilistic. But um, it was an interesting play. Uh, it makes no sense. It was a very famous play. Even when I was in theater school, people loved that play. And it's one of these plays where I watched it, and Ethan Hawke was great uh, in it. He was um, very, very funny. Uh, he's put on a bit of weight for the role because he's usually been kind of lean. He's a good-looking guy and is willing to make himself look kind of ridiculous. And it's just the play makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. Nothing in particular believable happens. And uh, it's it really – it's such a strain. It's such a strain. So, Stefan, do you consider Italians as whites? <laughs> yes, I do. You know, this is kind of funny, right? So this is kind of funny, this whole – you know, you hear this, well – when it comes to immigration, boy, in the 19th century, the Irish were considered terrible and they worked out or they turned out to be fine. And it's like, ah. Yes, and in the past they had trouble classifying a duck-billed platypus. That doesn't mean that there's no difference between a lizard and a mammal. So the fact that people have classified people incorrectly in the past doesn't mean that we could throw out all classifications in the future. It's just kind of tragic and funny. Um... Let's see here. Was Eisenhower right about the military-industrial complex? Well, this is the thing, right? So Eisenhower, for those of you who don't know, um, president, um, what was he's the guy who who did the D-Day landings, right? So uh, he was president in the post-war period, and when he was leaving, he gave this whole speech about this great danger of the military-industrial complex. Great. The key part there is when he was leaving office, when he was so... He had no power to fix it anymore, so he's like, there's this great danger. It's like, well, dude, why didn't you do something about it when you were in office? Well, I guess you could look to JFK for that, right? All right, let's see here. Um, do I have an opinion on what's happening with Owen Benjamin? Um, I don't, actually. I do. Um, I have heard that, uh, what is he? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to spread any rumors because I haven't verified anything, so. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Hopefully here. Uh, hopefully chatting and talking about philosophy uh, in the world. How would your opinion on change – how would your opinion change on immigration if welfare was abolished? Well, it would change enormously. And it's funny because people think this is some sort of thing for me, like, oh, you know, you can't have open borders and a welfare state. This is such an old libertarian position that the only, only, only the new lefty libertarians pretend to not know what it is. <laughs> do the goyim know? No. Uh, why don't you do the truth on Muhammad? Uh, you can read, of course, um, Tommy Robinson's book on that. Or follow Robert Spencer. Or um, uh, I've had um, uh, the Why We Are Afraid uh, guy. I'm so sorry. I can't remember his name right now. But uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So Let's see here. How many years until the U.S. collapses? Which state do you see splitting off first from the feds? Thank you for all that you do. The feds ain't going to let anyone go without a fight. So Texas depends uh, on the Hispanic uh, population at that point. So migrant crisis in Canada, just an immigration crisis in Canada. 
boobs or butts? I'm sorry for 279. I'm not telling you that, Lloyd, but thank you, sorry, for the donation. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. What do we got? Uh, Jeff Eanson, thank you for your support. Silver Shadow 721. Um, would you ever consider privately or publicly discussing the NAP with Jordan Peterson? You opened my eyes to peaceful, to peaceful parenting, so the part in spanking in the 12 Rules for Life was surprising. Thanks. Um, sure, I, I would be very happy to talk about that with uh, Jordan Peterson. And, uh, you know, I do think that the race and IQ stuff is so important right now because we do have to have some rational, objective reason with which to push back against mass third world immigration and race and IQ is, I think, the, the, the clincher. And so I did listen to a presentation that Dr. Peterson gave, I think it was in the Netherlands or something, on immigration. And it was just this general, well, there could be some potential incompatibilities in culture and so on. And it really was, I mean, very disappointing, I suppose, right? Isn't, isn't life sort of a whole series of, of getting disappointed by people. Hopefully not me. Hopefully I'm, you know, staying in there. But um, it is, it is, uh, it is silly and, and sad and disappointing. And Jordan Peterson knows about all of this stuff. He knows about the race and IQ stuff. There's presentations you can find where he really dances around it and then says, well, I'm not really going to talk about it because people get killed for, for talking about it. Now, I'm, I'm still alive. And so I don't know. I don't know what would keep him from talking about it. Um, I mean, I suppose it's he, maybe he wants the tours, maybe he wants the book sales and so on. But, you know, to me, here's the thing. It's not specific to Jordan Peterson, but but just as a whole, right? So let's say that, you know what they call it, the FU money, right? So let's say that you just make a huge amount of money. More than you would ever sensibly need to live on for the rest of your life. Well, to me, that gives you... Freedom. It should give you freedom. There's a kind of noblesse oblige, which means it's the obligation that arises out of having great gifts. And I think I have great gifts of reasoning and eloquence and so on. And so I didn't earn those. I've refined them, but I didn't earn them. And so I think that if you have great ability or great resources, great money or independence because of that money, I think you owe the world a considerable amount. Not like they own you or, or or you should give them your money or but if you have like I understand why a lot of people don't talk about race and IQ. They've they've got jobs, they don't want to get fired, they don't want to get harassed, they you know whatever, right? I, I get all of that, right? And and this is why I can be so enormously grateful to everyone out there for keeping this whole thing going. You know, we just passed nine hundred thousand subscribers. On uh, YouTube, video views have gone up like 15 to 20% just in the last month. And that's, I'm, 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 I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by that. I'm, I'm grateful uh, to, to you for that, for the, for the support that, that keeps me going. Again, freedomainradio.com slash donate. But if you have some kind of independence, you know, and there's lots of people out there who have a lot of money. Uh, they've got more than they would ever reasonably need to live on for the rest of their lives. So why don't they buy a voice? Why don't they, I guess, take the hit? Because it's not really that much of a hit. I mean, if you've got enough money to live on for the rest of your life, then you should, I think, speak more truth. And so 
Yeah. Maxime Bernier is a great and important voice in Canadian politics because you just need someone to break the conditioning and uh, all of that. So, Is Poland lefty? Well, it's fighting for that. Uh, do you think profiteering from a platform like Twitter is acceptable given that it's a fake new outlet and hate machine? I don't know what that really means. Sorry. Pinoid News says, should we repeal the 19th Amendment? No. I don't believe so. Listen, I'm aware of these arguments, and I, I posted them, right? If you look at sort of government spending, and then you look at when women got the vote, it's ex it explodes, and people, oh, correlation is not causation. No, no, no. A lot of studies have been done. So you can test this kind of stuff, because what was it, Wyoming? I usually get this one wrong. Wyoming or Wisconsin, I think it was Wyoming, gave women the vote, because, you know, it was a sausage fest out there. They wanted to lure out some uh, some women. And so you can look at when Wyoming got the vote, you can look at when Texas gave women the vote, you can look at Utah, you can look at various places, and then you can see when the spending ramped up. And if, it let, if say, it's, it's a three years after women get the vote in every single place, I'm just making something up. But if it's like that, yeah, you've pretty much established causality, right? So yeah, when women get the vote, they spend like crazy, right? So there's a number of things that you can do, because I don't think it's fair to just say women shouldn't get the vote. I know that there's some people who argue that. I think Ann Coulter has argued for that in the past, saying, well, women can influence with, with through their husbands. They can influence through books. They can do the Phyllis Laffley kind of thing. But no, uh, I think one of the things that you would want to do is look – well, first of all, no taxation, no state, stateless society. That has changed not at all for me because that's the only rational – and logically and morally consistent position to take. But one of the arguments could be, well, if you are not paying taxes, you don't get to vote on how taxes are dispensed, right? So you may get to vote on other things, but you don't get to vote on, say, the welfare state if you're currently taking a huge amount of money from the welfare state because you can't be objective. You can't vote objectively on how government money is spent if you are a huge net receiver of government money. Like, I don't mean if you got a dollar back in your tax refund or whatever. So there could be some argument around that, because that's just called a conflict of interest, right? Bribing voters with other people's money is not a way to bring any objective quality of discussion to issues. So that's one possibility. Patrick T. Doherty says... Do you think in years to come there will be a violent backlash from European citizens from the third world immigration influx? Well, it's funny, you know, because I never, I mean, to talk about this stuff, I certainly never want to advocate for, for violence, and I never want to, um, it's, it's not a good thing, but uh, when people are pushed enough, they will fight back. So if the politicians won't close the borders, then at some point, groups are going to emerge that are going to make it more and more uncomfortable to immigrate to a country, because when the government doesn't do the job that the people desperately want, the people start doing the job themselves. I mean, you can say it's a good or it's a bad thing, but it's a thing, historically. And so, uh, yes, I think that there will be a violent backlash. But here's the thing, that we've never been in a situation like this before, mostly or fundamentally. We've never been in a situation where so many children have been raised by single mothers, so many boys have been raised by single mothers, and to a large degree, emasculated through that whole process. And so it's hard to know. It may be that some sort of backlash in Europe is not the worst outcome. The worst outcome could be complete and total capitulation because what 
would European men be fighting so hard to save at the moment? What? What would they be fighting hard to save a highly gynocentric family court system? I mean, it's not as bad in a lot of European places as it is in the States, but it's still pretty bad. You, if you want men to fight for a society, that society has to treat men well. This is the problem. When you treat men badly, they will no longer fight for your society, and which means you're kind of an easy pushover. And I think that's some, some of what's happening. So, uh, What are your thoughts on space exploration? Uh, that would be... That would be great. I, I grew up on sci-fi and fantasy. Sci-fi first and then fantasy after I got into Dungeons and Dragons. And I love space exploration. I had pictures of, of space and, and all of that all over my um, room when I was a kid. Uh, I read uh, all about astronomy. I had a telescope. I used to um, map sunspots. Like you point, you don't have a look through it, but you point your eye at the uh, sun, and then you map, you draw the sunspots uh, that come through on a piece of paper. I used to map those. I love, always wanted to go, always dreamt of floating in space, looking down at the magnificent orb of the Earth would be sublime, would be divine, would be fantastic. But now, what do we have? We don't have space flight. We don't have jetpacks. We don't have cures for cancer. We have um, pre-dawn raids on Roger Stone's house and... Uh, Muslim congresswomen being investigated for their support of ISIS fighters. The arrest of Roger Stone? Uh, horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Poor Roger, poor republic. Um, to me, I mean, it's it's absolutely horrible. I mean, a pre-dawn raid, what was it, with a SWAT team and, and assault weapons and so on for a guy who's in his 60s with no history of violence. I mean, you just, what do you do? You're supposed to just call up his lawyer and say surrender. You have your client surrender at the police day or whatever, right? Now, he's out on a quarter million dollar bail. He's not a rich man. If you want to help out his legal fees, I'm sure that's a fine thing to do. But um, terrible. Terrible. I, I don't know the details in any particular manner. Something to do with how many times he contacted people about some the WikiLeaks dump of the Podesta emails, if I remember it correctly. Um, they say that he lied. And I mean, Come on. I mean... Oh, he phoned them once. Well, no, it turns out he texted a little. It's like, come on. There's nothing to do with justice, lying. You, you can look up on Twitter. Somebody just put out a whole list of people who lied to the FBI and uh, got away with it completely. Completely. Now, uh, it is um, police state stuff, in my humble opinion. It's nothing to do with justice. It's just to do with punishing people associated with Trump and warning anyone else. Like, they've got a big problem because the run-up to 2020, like a lot of what Trump is doing is pretty good. Yes, there's no wall, but some people say, don't worry, in three weeks there will be start or whatever. We'll, sign, we'll find out. But uh, yeah, Mexico is not paying for the wall. There's been no control over mass immigration. America is still taking a ridiculous number of people, as is everyone in the West. And um, there are still a lot of problems. There have been some successes, don't, don't get me wrong. But the problem is if you cut taxes and raise economic activity, then what happens is it raises the incentive for people to come into your country, right? So if you cut taxes and drive economic growth at the same time as you have a porous border, that's economic suicide. So yeah, the arrest of Roger Stone, somebody says, uh, grieves me. And I, I agree. I think it's terrible. Tommy Pritchard says, what advice do you have for new single fathers living separate from their child? Well, I don't assume you mean divorced. I don't know, man. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. I used to think, you know, just pour everything you can into your existing child, but that can be tough. 
because if the mom is is Iago style ear poisoning, the boy against you or the the good the daughter against you, then you're fighting a losing battle. The kid's going to have to choose the mom if it's living with the mom because there's no other possibility. I you know it's really tough to stay in a relationship where you can't tell the truth, and and the problem with a father with an estranged child or a child that is living with the mom is the kid's going to have lots of questions at some point, maybe sooner rather than later, about what happened in the marriage and why the divorce is and so on. And if it was the mom's fault, if that's, as is 70 to 80% of the time, right, the mom just ups and leaves usually because the number one reason is, I'm dissatisfied. <laughs> Welcome to some portions of life, lady. Um, it took me three and a half months to heal a knee that I banged badly. I'm dissatisfied. It's like, yeah, well, it, it happens, right? But um, can you have a relationship with someone when you can't tell the truth? I don't know. It's really, really tough. So one thing is if you can find a way to build those bridges and have an honest relationship with your kid, fantastic. My dad, I mean, I don't want to speak to his motives because I don't know, but the practical thing was that he went pretty much to the other side of the world and started a new family. Do you cut your losses? I mean, I don't mean not stay in contact with your kid, but do you cut your losses and try and build a new family where you can have a proper relationship with your child? I don't know. It really depends on the relationship with the mom and how honest everyone's being with the kids. Uh, somebody asked, uh, David, uh, said, do I have to donate to ask a question? Just bought all your books and wish I could donate more, man. Was wondering what your thoughts are on Trump opening the government back up without the wall. So here's the, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. People are very, very nervous about this, and I understand why, because it's kind of a showdown between the globalists, the communists, the leftists, and any kind of rational individualist or, or patriot. So I have been critical of, of this back down. I mean, so three weeks. You know, it's a funny thing. Three weeks of the government being shut down is a great advertisement for not opening most of it back up, because what happened, right? What happened? You know, if, if all the doctors go on strike, that's pretty bad, Right. If all the dentists go on strike, that's pretty bad. If all the farmers go on strike, that's a disaster. If a whole bunch of government workers don't show up to work. Now, got to be someplace you dump your diversity hires, right? So it is, um, it's tough. So there are people who say, well, this is part of a big plan and he's going to declare a state of emergency and he's going to build the wall and this, that and the other, right? But... Um, no, it's uh, it's crazy. Of course, the Democrats are going to oppose the wall no matter what. And they know it works. They know it's going to work. Walls around the world, it's like 95 98% they stop passageway. Of course, of course they do, right? Of course they do. And so they know that the wall works. If they thought the wall, wall wouldn't work, they'd let him do it and then just mock him, right? So is he going to declare the state of emergency and so on? I'm not entirely positive that Trump knows just how desperate the situation is in America because very, very shortly, like very shortly, whites are going to be functionally outvoted, white males, right? They just got Trump in by not a razor-thin margin, but, you know, it's touch and go. And if you ever see those maps, like if only people of color voted, right, it's all Democrat. If, if only women voted, it's all Democrat. It's like white males, white males, white males. And whites see, we say, well, there's a certain population of whites in the world. It's like, yeah, but because of the baby boom, a lot of them are old. 
doesn't really matter how many whites there are in the world. It matters how many fertile whites there are in the world, particularly women. And uh, it's not that many, just a couple of percentage points. So, and how many of those are having kids rather than pursuing careers and all that, right? So uh, it is uh, desperate. Um, no, I mean, I, I think you should just held on. I, 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 he's, now, it's tough, though, because he's surrounded by a whole lot of people who aren't going to tell him what the average person wants from him, right? And this goes all the way back to he should have he should have stood by General Flynn from start to end because, and this is a Cernovich point, like once they got General Flynn, it's like blood in the water and, and the sharks go crazy and now who's going to want to work with him, right? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a big mess. It's a big mess. How old is Steph? 52. 52. <laughs> when it comes to toilet paper, do you ball or fold? Toilet paper? What are you, some kind of savage? Uh, unfortunately, you are beginning to look like the thumb himself, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, how do you participate in call-in shows? Uh, just send me emails. I really have not had much time to do them lately, but I will get back to them. I apologize for that. Uh, do you find AMAs as frustrating as the people trying to ask the questions? I do not. Uh, thank you for that $2 message retracted. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Do you think Joe Rogan is retarded? <laughs> it says someone. No, I don't think Joe Rogan is retarded. Uh, let's see here. Sorry, I'm just trying to... Um, Lawrence of Arabia says, read Bronze Age Mindset. It'll double your deadlift. See, this is the thing, right? Um, I'm not, like, I'm an exercise guy, but, you know, you can tell, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, super bulky head, right? So, for me, I just, I just want to stay relatively not overweight. I want to have enough strength to do the things that I want to do to run around to play with my daughter and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not a big one for, like, I have to have my, you know, my... Shoulders have got to be above my ears or anything like that. So, what are your thoughts on Robert Mueller? Mueller, sorry, I should be Mueller. Uh, Robert Mueller, the man's character, his motivations, etc. Well, I, mean, I think it's fairly clear that he's just a legal attack arm of the Democrat Party. So, I mean, what do you think about Myers Briggs? What are you? Myers Briggs is not a real test. It's just, it just was invented by a couple of secretaries or housewives or something like that. So. I think it's nice. What's your favorite album? Oh, don't get me started on music. Anyway, the wind blows. Okay, um, what is my favorite album? A single album? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. It depends on the mood. It depends on the mood. It depends on the mood. Maybe Day at the Races, Night at the Opera? Ah, no, but when you're feeling mellow, when you're feeling mellow or feel like getting hypnotized by some really deep jazzy grooves, you can't do much better than Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Uh, anyway, let's do a whole other music thing one day because I literally can talk about that all day because music is amazing. All right. <sighs> Taylor Sean, in marriage, who gets deciding vote? E.G. Homeschool. Well, yeah, you talk about that before you get married, Taylor. That's that's the whole point. Who gets the deciding vote? So in a marriage, you, you, should, you should talk about all of these things before you get married. But let's say you didn't, right? Some people get startled by the cattle prod of wokeness after they get married and all that. That can certainly happen. That's fine. 
But here's what you need to do. It's not the husband or the wife who gets the deciding vote. It's two things, basically, which are two sides of the same coin. The first is facts. Facts. And the second is what's best for the kids, right? And and what's best for the kids has something to do with what the kids want, right? Like not just chocolate, chocolate, chocolate or anything like that, but the facts. You look at the facts. Okay, so what's the kid's life going to be like in school? And they say, well, you know, you can't get socialized if you don't go to school. It's like, yeah, you can. It's like saying you can't get socialized unless you go to prison. You'll get socialized in prison. You'll just get socialized by a prison environment. And so you have to sort of look and say, when it comes to homeschooling or something like that, say, okay, what adult situation is going to happen where she gets jammed into a horizontal age group with no power and no control over her environment, right? It's never going to happen as an adult, again, unless she just goes into prison, and even then there's not an age group control. So, no, government schools in particular, no, 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 you, you can't. I mean, it's just, it's not preparing the kid for and it. Do you know as well as I do that the government schools were based on the Prussian model to produce pliant workers and obedient soldiers? It is a terrible, terrible thing. All right, so facts and what's best for the kid. Let's see here. Why won't you debate Mike Enoch or J.F. Gary Epi? I'm sorry if I'm getting that getting that wrong. On the Jewish question. Well, that is look. That's a fine question, and I'll I'll be obviously frank and, and blunt about it as I always am. There are I know that there's some controversy about the IQ issues, and I've actually got a researcher looking into that. As far as you know, Ashkenazi Jews having very high IQs, and was it a small, a skewed sample size, and so on. So there's some answer. To do with that, there's Jewish in-group preference for sure. Uh, there's Muslim in-group preference, Hindu in-group preference, and there's going to need to be Christian and white in-group preference. Otherwise, we're all just going to dissolve into the ether, right? But here's the thing. So I have not read Culture of Critique, but uh, I've read some articles about it, some summaries of it, which is not the same. So please, you know, I, I recognize that this is not qualifying me to be an expert in this area at all. And I've read some rebuttals, I've read some pushbacks, uh, and I've made my own arguments about it. But so here's the thing about the Jewish question is that I look at this and I say, okay, how much time, effort, and energy is it going to take for me to become an expert in this issue? And everybody knows that, that some people who have an axe to grind, some people are anti-Semitic, some people are just frustrated and angry and blame Jews for problems in their own lives. I'm not saying everyone, but some people for sure. So I'm going to have to sift through all of that. I'm going to have to read probably, you know, when it comes to IQ, I read... 30 to 40 books, and I'm not really an expert. I'm okay at it, uh, but uh, that took, I would say, two to three years of, of reading and, and research and interviews and, and presentations and so on to become pretty okay at IQ stuff, uh, in particular the rates and IQ stuff. I know what a huge investment it is to become an expert. So I'm going to so read a bunch of books. I don't know whether they're accurate. I can't go to the source materials. I don't speak Russian, you know, to figure out who was a Jew in the founding of communism and so on. I know Putin has talked about Jews. Uh, I know that Solzhenitsyn has talked about Jews in the foundation of communism in uh, the um, in, in Russia in 1917 and before, of course. But I just got to tell you, I mean, I got into this whole thing because I love philosophy. I love building arguments. I love examining principles from the ground up. I love being able to tie rational processing to sense data. This, I'm not saying it's the only thing I can do, and I understand there's lots of other things I'm good at as well, but that's kind of what I get into it. 
And I just tell you, I mean, for me, if I sit there and I say, okay, wow, a really, really great use of my philosophical brain is to try and figure out what percentage Jewish Lenin was and how much he was influenced by it and what it means to be Jewish. And is it a culture? Is it a race? Is it a religion? Is it a what, right? I mean, it's going to take me so long to become an expert. And there are other people who claim expertise in this and they debate about it and all that. Is it worth it for me to become an expert in this, given that it's going to take a couple of years? Right now, this is why I don't comment about it much. I do say the things that I know, right? So the, some, some of the stuff that I've learned about in the IQ stuff, like high Ashkenazi Jewish IQ. So I'll talk about that. Um, I will talk about all of the people who influenced me who were Jewish and whose ideas I then brought to my Christian and agnostic and atheist friends without even knowing a lot of times that they were Jewish, like the, the, the people who influenced me were Jewish. And all of my Christian... And agnostic and atheist friends, my non-Jewish friends, which were most of my friends, they all just rejected these ideas. So they didn't know that those ideas happened to come from people who were Jewish. I didn't even really think about it at all. I didn't think I even found out about the Jewish, that uh, Ayn Rand was Jewish until quite a bit later. So I brought all of these ideas to all of my non-Jewish friends, which was most of them, and they just rejected them out of hand. The ideas about freedom, limited government, Taxation is theft, like you name it, all, all of the stuff, property rights, capitalism, taxation is theft, uh, exploitation of the young, privatization of essential services, privatization of government schools, privatization of, of just about anything, right? Because as the objectivist position is that the government should do basically the military, the police, the law courts, maybe some prisons, but that's about it, right? Tiny, tiny, tiny government. So I brought all of these arguments for many, many, many years to people in my life who weren't Jewish. And I didn't say, hey, what do you think of these Jewish ideas? Like I just said, Here, here's the arguments. And they were just rejected and scorned and attacked and mocked. Is it the Jews' fault that uh, all of my non-Jewish friends rejected arguments for freedom? Oh, well, but there's big Jewish conspiracy to program, program. It's like, I don't know. Then, then there's no null hypothesis, right? So I would rather try to convince people to make great things themselves rather than get mad. Anyway, so that's one of the, one of the issues, right? All right, so let's see here. Uh, John Bob says, Steph, I'm concerned that in the case of an economic disruption, gated communities will offer a false sense of security. What are your thoughts? Thank you for your work. I don't know. Maybe better to be there than somewhere else, but who knows? Maybe your security guards will turn on you as well. Uh, Nipsey Hussle says, what do you think of the late Swiss psychologist Alice Miller? How could her work impact people on a grander scale? I think you might want to look at some of her, like some of what happened in her life as a whole. Um, drama of the Gifted Child was good, but... Uh, are the Zionists paying you to keep quiet? No. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, let's see here. Um, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm, I've lost track of my super chats, and I definitely want to make sure. Hang on, let me just go all the way back to the beginning and make sure I got everyone. I do apologize for that. Um, I hate to say this is my big problem in life, but the donations are coming in faster than I can get a hold of them. So sorry, let me just zoom out a smidge here. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, 
Uh, okay, so what do we got here? Ah, come on. Come on, you could do it. You can give me something useful. Uh, Morgan Davis says, Stefan, you're like a father to me where I never had one. Thank you. Morgan, that is a, a beautiful and wonderful thing to to hear, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, it sounds better coming from a Stefan Molyneux fan than a Tom Likas fan. Uh, Kari K says, thanks for everything you do. Thank you very much. Um, Alpha Numerica, it's <laughs> good, says, what are your thoughts on the Belt and Road Initiative, ReChina, and Israel consolidation of global finance and trade, challenge to American primacy? Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's freaked out about the Jewish question, but, uh, you know, the Chinese are making some pretty bold moves on the world stage. They're buying up half of Australia. They're taking over resources in Africa. There's a lot uh, that is going on, and, and they're working on IQ 200 babies. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's a fact. So, yeah, this is a big deal. Double Dog Bear, hey! Were you one last time? By the way, I really thank you guys for, for dropping by. It's a real, real pleasure to chat and a couple thousand watching, which is nice to hear. All right. Double Dog Bear. Hi. Welcome back. Will the trendy liberals flip into the ravenous races when their fantasy finally clashes with reality? How will their volatile groupthink weak minds react to that chaos? Yeah. See, people who are really committed to unreality don't tend to change. Don't tend to change. Let me, let me tell you. Okay. Personal story time. This is just anecdote. Although I've got a whole presentation called The Death of Reason about why people don't change their mind about things. So I'll just tell you that. Oh, you know, I haven't even checked whether the stream is smooth or not. Ah, just a few drops. I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Buttery Smooth 60 frames, so I wanted to try that. All right. <sighs> My mother had disastrous ideas, right? She, she believed, like, I remember sitting at the age of 11 or 12, with her in a restaurant in the Don Mills Mall, back when it was a mall, in a donut shop. And she was telling me all about how she could knit psychic helmets of protection against evil forces for her friends. I mean, she was a real hardcore mystic. We had German hippies come into our house when I was a kid, and they would basically just disassemble reality. They spoke English, and my mom spoke fantastic at English. But they would literally just use words to, to brick by brick disassemble reality in this highly mystical format. And if you weren't alive in the 70s or around in the 70s and consciously, it's really tough to understand just how incredibly, hauntingly, brain-dissolvingly mystical it was. I mean, it was a UFO phenomenon. There was the uh, late great planet Earth stuff. There was... Um, you know, that you could put a, uh, the, oh, you put a razor blade under a pyramid and it sharpens overnight, man. And I got in the newspaper with a friend of mine for spoon bending powers with my mind. And it's like, it was really some heavy duty brain disassembling mystical porridge headed garbage in the 70s. And it worked out as badly for my mother as you could imagine it would, right? And she never changed didn't matter how disastrous her life became. She didn't change. She didn't change. All right. Jessica D says, just showing some support. Thank you, Jessica. Fellow happily married, overcoming a high adverse childhood experience, peaceful parenting, and nerd with not enough time for it. No. I would so love to play Dungeons and Dragons with you. 
Thank you for all you do. So here's the funny thing. <laughs> because I got back into D&D because my daughter loves it, although we play a very – it's a pretty sanitized version of the game, but and it's mostly just language. We actually have this thing now, my daughter, like we did dice for a long time, but now it's more fun where – We'll throw ping pong balls at each other to simulate combat with monsters. And if you hit or dodge, that's the way it works. So it's become much more physical and, and that's better. It gets us up and moving. Although I generally will uh, do the role playing. We call it role playing rather than Dungeons and Dragons while I'm exercising and all that. But anyway, I would love to play Dungeons and Dragons with you guys. <laughs> but here's the problem. And here's how it ties into the Jewish question. So the rules i was dungeons and dragons oh lord was it 3.5 i'm probably way off because it was like 30 years ago or whatever right 30 oh yeah that would make me 42 i guess it was longer than that so 40 years ago 35 40 years ago so the rules for dungeons and dragons now are so complicated it would take me so long to get up to speed on the new rules that you know i would love to run a dungeon and <laughs> And have you guys play, that would just be hilarious and we could record it. It would be so much fun. Uh, but anyway, all right. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. All right. Um, Ray Gaia says, no question. I just love what you're doing, Stefan. As a young woman, I'm so tired of constantly being told I'm a prude for not buying into the free love, free the nipple garbage that's constantly spewed by feminists my age. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hideous. Um, I... Uh, Occasionally, we'll dip into what's going on in the media just to sort of keep up to speed on stuff. But um, there's a, I think it's CBC. It's on Netflix called Working Moms. And, I mean, it's it's shockingly horrible uh, in terms of its message. Occasionally, it's funny and the acting is, is good as it usually is. But uh, yeah, it's just appalling. That's appalling. There's this woman. Oh, she's got a house husband and she's trying to sleep with her boss and and no guilt no shame no no one ever calls her on any of this stuff and uh, absolutely horrendous and then the last episode she was trying to get like she wanted someone to pierce her needle uh, pierce her nipple with a pin in the toilet of a club that they were at i'm just like i'm tapping out i can't handle it it's just it's too wretched it's too horrible so yeah um being approved of in popular culture these days means that you are either insane or evil or both so Yep, 4609 says, I believe politics is a battle between people who want a matriarchy and people who want a patriarchy. Leftism wants the matriarchy and rightism wants the patriarchy. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. So the the whole relationship between left and right and, and female and male is, is really, really fascinating, right? Women, in general, are very enthusiastic and then upset at independence, right? And they, look... Women were designed to raise kids from zero to seven, let's say, or, or eight. And then, in general, in history, the, the men or the older women would take over. So women are very enthusiastic but touchy, right? So women, when your kid's learning to walk and, and, and talk, you want like, yay, good job, good job, you know, yay, you know, you standing, and you want that, that's fair, that's right, that's appropriate for the kid. But then later on, you need this narrow-eyed skepticism of the child's abilities, right? So when your kid's singing, like banging away on the xylophone, you know, you get this little kid xylophones where you can play like twinkle, twinkle, little star and one other damn note. So when your kid's banging away, you're like, yay, good music, you know? That's great, you know, good. That's what I mean. But then, 
as your kid gets older, let's say they don't have a particularly good sense of music or or they don't, you know, let, like let's say singing, right? Like when your kid sings Twinkle Twinkle, A, B, C, D, you say, oh, good job, you know, good job. But then later, if they think they're a good singer and they're not, they don't have a voice, so they don't can't carry a tune or they're, they're, they're tone deaf or whatever, then you don't say, yay, good job. You know, you got to say, no, that's, that's not your thing, man. <laughs> Sorry, that's not your thing at all. Women as a whole are pretty bad at that. It's one of the reasons why the IQ stuff is so tough for women. Because women, you know, kids are the apple of their eye and kids can do anything and blah, 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 right? But the IQ stuff is like, nope. <laughs> no, they can't. And that's tough. That's tough for women. Uh, to, to, to the limits and so on, right? You, you, you give birth to a kid and you love that kid and you're passionate about that kid. And you, but then you, you, you want that kid to land someplace where they're going to be productive. And that means really focusing their abilities and their efforts on what's good. And that means saying no to a whole bunch of stuff they may want to do that they're just not good at. And so this sort of yay stuff. And, and the yay stuff, so the enthusiasm of women has a lot to do with the dopamine that they get from being enthusiastic. And if anything that interferes with that enthusiasm, they get kind of mad about, right? This is sort of the dark side of femininity, which is women, you know, sugar and spice until some women, like until you don't give them what they want. You don't give them their dopamine. You don't give them their satisfaction. You don't give them their virtue signaling, right? And then they get pretty mad. And this is where the the vicious stuff goes on, right? And uh, like you can see this, so you've probably seen this iconic picture of the, the sort of BuzzFeed, the, the, all the women around the BuzzFeed desk. I don't know if it was all the women in charge or whatever. There's all these women and all the same white women right, uh, on this. And now BuzzFeed, I think today was just laying off a whole bunch of people, right? A whole bunch of people, right? And I did this tweet. You really should follow me on Twitter, um, at Stefan Molyneux. But um, the tweet I put out was something like this. You know, one, BuzzFeed supports mass immigration. Two, BuzzFeed attacks anyone who criticizes mass immigration, such as it puts people out of work. Three, people then turn away from BuzzFeed because BuzzFeed keeps attacking people and look for more honest news sources. Four, BuzzFeed half craters out of business. So in other words, mass immigration also put the BuzzFeed employees out of work. And, you know, they're all kinds of sensitive, right? But there was this whole thing where it's like, oh, are you an unemployed minor? Like M-I-N-E-R? Well, you can just learn to code then. It's like, well, now I guess these women can all go and learn to code, right? And I also posted, like, there's a picture of this board, this whole sort of board, um, boardroom, and there's all these women around it, and then there's a picture of an empty boardroom, and I, I posted and says, yep, the echo chamber just got a whole lot more echoey, right? Because nobody in it. So, yeah. Now they're learning. They're learning. They're learning that it's not that much fun. The other thing, too, is that, you know, BuzzFeed, I don't know if this was their thing in particular. I think it was. But, uh, you know, this kind of leftist reporters, what do they do? They don't just say, I disagree with you and here's why. They don't just say, you are not drawing the correct conclusions from the evidence that you've provided or here's some counter evidence or let's hash it out. Right? I mean, what are these leftist rag, what do they do? Right? They they don't say, I disagree with you and here's why. They don't try and instruct you. They don't try and make you wiser. They don't give you better data, better arguments. What do they do? They call you the most ungodly, unholy satanic names in the universe. They try and destroy your income and ruin your career, get you fired, and have everyone hate you. It's a bit of an overreaction to a disagreement, right? But 
they have all of the self-righteousness of being perfect moral agents in their own mind, which means they can do no wrong, and that's the most dangerous state of mind to be in. To have no humility, no humility, that you could be actually doing great harm, great immorality, great evil in the world. We're all capable of it. This is one of the great problems of being certain about morality, is if you're certain about morality and you roll in it and you're always good, you've just given yourself blank check signing authority to do whatever the hell you want. You've got to doubt your virtue. You've got to doubt your goodness. You've got to doubt where you are on the moral map. Otherwise, you say, I am perfectly moral. Everything I do is right. And therefore, everyone who opposes me must be evil. And therefore, I can unleash whatever unholy hell I want on everyone who disagrees with me. Which means, hey, guess what? Your addiction to blank check virtue has just turned you into a great agent of evil. So, all right. Let's keep up. Let's keep up. I like this challenge. Uh, hmm. How interesting. How interesting. So C6093, 6903, sorry. Says, I would love to see you and Jean-François Garépé have a discussion slash debate. He has stated you and him are in contact. Will it happen soon? I'm of two minds about that stuff. Yeah, tell me what, tell me what you guys think. I don't know. Like, so when someone, I don't know what you guys think. So when someone emails you, and, and you always have to be conscious of this if you're a public figure or anyone, I guess. So Jean-Francois emailed me and we've gone back and forth a little bit. And he's got one book that I'll, it's somewhat in line with stuff I'm already aware of or already know fairly well. So it might be worth debating that kind of stuff or having a conversation about it. So yeah, we email back and forth. Now, does this mean he ran to the internet and said that he and I are emailing back and forth? I don't know about that. I mean, it's not that there's anything particularly wrong with it, but I just assume the communications that are private are private. I mean, it's not like we're planning on <laughs> knocking over a bank or anything, but it just seems a little like, uh, yeah, let's exchange some private emails and see if we can find some common ground. to have. Hey, uh, I'm in conversation with staff. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know. It just seems uh, not circumspect, right? Not knowing how to hold your tongue when you're in the middle of talking about something, and I don't particularly like it. John Pickwick, thank you very much. Very kind of your very kind support. And uh, remember that you can also go to freedomainradio.com slash donate, where there's a little less overhead. He didn't leave a message, but thank you. Instinctual Drift said, you and your discernment of the truth means so much to me. I find it difficult to make the jump to speaking the truth and making it profitable. It's eating me alive. Political correctness does well to inhibit the golden mean of truth. Rant, please. Mm. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready, my brothers and sisters? All right. So this is how it works if you want resolution. How are you going to spend your energy? How are you going to spend your time in this world? At some point, you realize or you recognize that inaction is going to lead to something worse than action. I'd like to say this is sort of big moral thing, and there is that aspect of things. You know, I want to stand by the truth. And, but at some point, you say, okay, well, 
if I don't act, disaster is going to occur. So I'm just going to act. Say, well, you know, bad things can happen if you act. People get mad at you and they, they come at you and they, you get write-ups and people call you like cult leaders and, and, and white supremacists and all kinds of nonsense, right? Say, so, okay, that's bad. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's not good. It, it, it kind of backs you into a corner, but that can also be good as well. Get resolution. And then you say, okay, well, if I do nothing, if I don't speak the truth that I know, what happens? Well, you have to think beyond your own life. Like I can probably stagger through the rest of my life, 30 years or so in, in the West or someplace and be, but I got a daughter. She's got to grow up. She's got to have a place to live. She's got to have a culture and a country that she can call her home. So what are my odds? What are my choices? I can do nothing. And then disaster will accrue. Or I can do something and then disaster may accrue. So you've got to just find that tipping point because the resolution is just clarity. That's all it is. It's just clarity. So people said, uh, you know, well, um, uh, you, you know, judging people by their skin color is like, I don't care about skin color. I don't, <laughs> I don't look into the mirror when I get a tan, which is basically for me just freckles joining hands across the expanse of forehead. But I don't sit there and say, my friend got a tan. I don't like him anymore. I could care less about skin color. Skin color is a proxy for a whole mindset. You can very reliably determine voting patterns based upon ethnicity based upon religion. Right? You don't have Muslim congresswomen in Congress because the Muslims objectively evaluated their proposals and compared them. It's like, oh, the, oh, she's a Muslim. I vote for the Muslim, right? Oh, he's a black guy. I vote for the black guy. Oh, he's, a, he's Indian. I vote for the Indian. Oh, he's a Somali like me. I'll vote for him. It's, a, it's just a racial headcast, an ethnic headcast. All it is when you get multiracial societies. So people say, well, what are you so scared of? Well, it's not that hard to figure out. Non-whites, and by that I include Jews, non-whites vote left. And leftists, when they get unbridled power, well, they tend to attack, imprison, and kill people like me. That's a historical fact. And it's almost without exception. Well, it's no exception that I can think of. I mean, from the French Revolution to the Russian Revolution to the Cambodian Revolution to the Chinese Revolution to North Korea to Cuba to you name it. People like me get rounded up and shot. That's kind of clarifying, right? You say, oh, well, that, there's always oh, so much courage. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to be cornered if things continue the way that they've been. I'm going to be cornered. I'm going to be dragged out of my bed. Roger Stone style, pre-dawn raid, CNN will be covering it. I'll be dragged out someplace, but I'm not going to end up with a $250,000 bail. I mean, I've read the Gulag Archipelago. I've read things that turn your stomach to squid. I know. You can see these horrible cartoons of how terrible it is in North Korean prisons and how sadistic and brutal and vicious people are. There are people out there desperate and thirsty for power who literally think I'm Hitler. What are they going to do when they get that power? They're not going to reason with me. I mean, look what they did to Kavanaugh. That, that's because they couldn't do more yet, but they want to. So when people come into my country and relentlessly vote for people who 
in the long run, as it plays out, their descendants are going to want me dead and, and have the power to achieve it without consequence. It's pretty clarifying. It's pretty clarifying. A rat that's cornered will take on a wolf. Nowhere to go. I know how this plays out, historically. It's no question. So when people come into my country and relentlessly vote for the left, I know where that goes. I know where that leads. What am I scared of? Are you freaking kidding me? History? Reality? So you can try all this clinging to avoidance, clinging to... I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to go in search of trouble. Dude, trouble is in search of you. It's coming. And if we don't damn well do something, it's going to find us and it's going to end us. (sighs) Wise Wildfire, good name, says, Freedom is always the answer. The question is, is inevitably fear. Take care and God bless. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind. I appreciate that. Billibrand says, whenever I discuss race and IQ, especially the Rushton and Jensen report, the reply is that the Pioneer Fund, who funded the study, has declared has been declared racist by the SPLC. How do you counter? Um, <laughs> SPLC. Uh, yeah, they're getting sued under racketeering laws, if I remember rightly. And uh, you got to read about the founder's divorce and what he was up to. But... Um, no, that's, I mean, that's an interesting question. This idea that you can simply get rid of uh, arguments because of funding is not particularly valid, right? The, the data is good or the data is bad, no matter who it's funded by. Now, if you can say, well, it's bias, any kind of bias means that you can eliminate a particular perspective. They say, okay, well, okay, so that's your argument, right? You you always try and find the bigger picture, bigger argument. So one of the things I've been doing on Twitter is people will, you know, shite all over me for some racially aware thing about whites, right? And then I just say, okay, well, where else have you usually... Show me on the internet where you've said this to anyone other than a white person, right? Right? You know, you're a racist for X, Y, and Z, right? Okay, well, then, then, then tell me where on the internet you've said this to a non-white person. And, of course, they never can. It's just white people. Everyone gangs up and bullies, particularly white males. It's like, okay, but then you're the racist, right? Because if you, if you have way higher standards for whites than for everyone else and you only attack whites for something which other racists engage in without facts, right, then then you're the racist. So what you do is you extract the principle from what they're saying. So what you're saying is, well, if the funding source is compromised in some manner, then we can throw out everything to do with that. Well, that's a general principle, right? It's not specific to Rushton and Jensen. And and please understand, I don't know all of this. I don't know the Pioneer Fund. I don't know the history of all of that. So I'm just, if someone came this to me, you can then try and research everything and try and find the facts, but it's hard to do, right? So what I would say is, okay, so 
if to me, so if the funding source is questionable or problematic, then you can just discard everything to do with it, right? In other words, if there's a conflict of interest, right? Because I guess the argument is that whoever funded this stuff wanted bad stuff out about non-whites or whatever, right? Okay. So then my question would be, there's a couple of questions I would have. First of all, if it's a pro-white group who fund IQ stuff, then why would East Asians and Jews score higher? I mean, if it's some white supremacist group, why on earth would they fund research that shows that whites are in the middle of the IQ bandwidth, right? That, that doesn't make any sense, right? It's not, not very white supremacist to put yourself in the middle, right? So that would be one. The second thing I would say is, so if there's a conflict of interest in the funding source, then we should discard people's opinions, right? It's like, okay, so then anyone who's taking government money, we can discard their opinions about politics, right? Because they're compromised, right? They can't be objective, right? Because they're being paid by the government, right? So they can't be objective about how the government spends its money because they're on the receiving end, right? So, And they would say, no, 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 right? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, then we don't have a principle here, do we? We don't have a principle that says if money is corrupting the incentive, but if you're not going to say that about welfare, why on earth would you say that about these guys? Because if welfare people can be perfectly objective regardless of their funding source, then you say the funding source doesn't matter. Then it's got nothing to do with any principle. You just don't like Rushton and Jensen's work. So that would be one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is, well, wait a minute. If we, if we can just dismiss anyone who said something racist or, or has the perception of having said something racist, then I would say, link me on the internet to where you have opposed black nationalists. Link me on the internet to where you have opposed Karl Marx and communism, because Karl Marx was a vicious racist, a vicious, I mean, anti-Semitic and all these tortured, self-hating Jew or whatever it is, right? But just anti-black in particular to the extreme, and I normally don't do this in a live stream, but since it's come up, I might as well uh, mention uh, this, this reality, right? So let's see here. Karl Marx. Uh, racist. I did a whole truth about Karl Marx, so you can figure all of this uh, out, right? So yeah, you can find this uh, pretty, pretty easy, uh, pretty easily. And um, this is nothing to do with me. Uh, I'm gonna put on a silly accent because otherwise people are gonna this, right? Um, let me see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arrival, uh, uh, July 30th, 1862, Marx wrote to Engels about one of the leaders of socialism in Germany and his rival, Ferdinand LaSalle, who referred to as that Jewish N-word. He, he, Marx wrote, it is now absolutely clear to me that as both the shape of his head and his hair texture shows, he descends from the Negroes who joined Moses' flight from Egypt, unless his mother or grandmother on the paternal side hybridized with an N-word. The, the, the pushiness of the fellow is also N-er-like. So Proudhon, you know, the 
property is theft guy, Proudhon had advocated the emancipation of slaves in the U.S. Marx replied, Without slavery, North America, the most progressive of countries, would be transformed into a patriarchal country. Wipe out North America from the map of the world and you will have anarchy, the complete decay of modern commerce and civilization. Abolish slavery and you will have wiped America off the map of nations. All right, so you always hear about these people who were out of their time and pro-slavery and this, well, that's uh, pretty important. And uh, leading socialists in the early 20th century also adopted Marxist racist views. <sighs> anyway, you can look uh, uh, all of this. At one point, uh, Marx referred to a Creole man who married his niece as a guerrilla offspring. Marx also approved of European imperialism in Asia because he considered the Asian culture so inferior that it was incapable of entering historic development without a European push. Frederick Engels was also a horrible racist when he learned that Marx's son-in-law, who had some African ancestry, was running as a socialist That also in a district that also contained the Paris Zoo. Engels observed, being in his quality as an N-word, a degree closer to the rest of the animal kingdom than the rest of us, he is undoubtedly the most appropriate representative of that district. Anyway, you, you can go on and on. It, it's, you know, he was a, he was a horrible racist. It's a horrible racist. And that's a fact. So then I would say, if people say, well, you know, you've got to discount the views of anyone who's a racist. Say, well, you show me on the internet where you've ever talked about Marx being a racist. And if you haven't, it's like, okay, then you're just an anti-white bigot, right? Because you only call out white people for perceived racism and you don't call out anyone else, which means that you're an anti-white bigot. Sorry, it's just the way it is. All right, somebody said great answer. Oh, good. <laughs> thank you. John Pickwick, totally clarifyingly, sorry, totally clarifying, terrifyingly so. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, John. I really, really appreciate your support. You guys having fun? I, I'm enjoying myself. I hope you guys are too. Uh, Nate says, hello, sir. Hope you see this. You've given me deep thoughts for years. I'm scared of whites being the new Jews with all the hate going around. I want to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah, look, anti-white racism is a, is a huge, huge, huge problem. It's a huge problem. Um, you see, here's the thing. And this is the, the, the genius, the evil genius of the left and the communists, right? White countries, advanced freedom of speech, separation of church and state, uh, uh, and so on, right? And white countries are wealthy. Now, if... So there's two stories, right? You've got wealth disparities. Let's just... I know it's not this simple, but we'll just say north-south, first world, third world, white countries, not white countries, whatever, right? So let's just say Europe versus Africa, right? Huge wealth disparities. So what's the answer? The answer, according to the left is the whites are rich because they stole from the blacks. Europe is rich because it stole from Africa. You know, the country that, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, right? No wheel, no written language, no two-story buildings and all that. Well, they stole all the resources. It's like the blacks didn't have any use for the resources. They didn't have any use for the resources. Do you, you think that, do you think that <laughs> blacks were, were using a lot of palladium in their spears? No, of course not, right? I mean, they weren't using their resources. So the answer is, well, the whites stole from you and that's why they're rich. Now, the reason that answer is so horrible and so destructive, well, there's so many reasons for it, but there's a couple that are usually not remarked upon. The first, of course, 
is that nobody wants to become evil, right? So if, if whites are rich because they stole from blacks, if whites are rich because of slavery just was so profitable, then you don't want to become like whites. Like you're sealed off from that path because that's exploitive, that's, that colonialist is evil. The whites stole. So we don't want to be like the whites. It's like, that's a shame. Because being like the whites, at least in the past, was more like free market, separation of church and state, and, and equality under the law, and all this kind of stuff, right? So that's the one story. And what that means is people come to or live in white countries who are not white, particularly blacks and Hispanics, and they're fueled with rage against whites. They stole from us. They, they stole, you know, we got to reconquista, right? We got to take back the southwest of the United States. We got to get reparations for slavery. They stole from us and they have a mansion and, and we have a shack because they stole from our ancestors. You just rage, right? Rage. As opposed to, why don't you try and emulate some of the successful aspects of white culture, white civilization? Now, so the IQ argument is, well, that's going to be really, really tough and all that. But nonetheless, that's why the IQ argument is so important. Because if we don't have an argument other than theft and exploitation, we're going to tear ourselves apart in civil wars, the likes of which the world has never seen before. I'm just telling you that straight up. We have to have an This is why I'm taking the risk. This is why I'm taking the bullet for all this stuff. We have to have an answer to disparities between ethnicities that isn't around evil, white, exploitive, racist, horrible, whatever, right? Colonists. I have to have an answer. Now, it's not like we have to have an answer, so I'm just making one up. There is an answer, which is IQ differences. That's the, that's the answer, right? So the hate is, is very dangerous. We... we we have to provide an answer other than horrible, hateful whites stole from everyone, and therefore, therefore what? Well, we got to take it back. We got to, this is what's going on in South Africa, right? The the, the Swedish fund. What a Swedish spent a hundred million dollars fostering communism in in Africa. Well, uh, karma, man. But um, now in in South Africa, I mean, I see this like. Don't get me wrong, I'm not there, obviously, right? But in in Africa, in South Africa, you can go to my videos and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll and it's all like white people stole our land and white people murdered our ancestors and white people ripped us off and white people, white people, white people. Where do you think this is going to go? Everybody knows where this is going to go. Dehumanize, rage, aggression. White privilege is uh, racist, obviously. Uh, white privilege uh, is false. Uh, white privilege... Why do we have, quote, privilege? Well, because we had 50,000 shivering-ass winters that uh, caused us to evolve or die. It was being chased out of Africa, if that's the theory. It was being stuck in the hinterlands. It was not having a good climate, right? 50,000 years, white people are shivering in Europe, and it's even worse for the East Asians shivering in Siberia, while everyone else on the planet is singing and dancing around a palm tree, because there's food year-round. We had to adapt or die. Ooh, that's a lot of privilege, 50,000 years of living in a fridge half the year. So, yeah, anti-white hatred is um, its a terrible consequence of 
the argument that all disparities are due to bigotry. And it is focused on whites, for sure. Because people don't, like when say, let's talk about racism in America, what do they always mean, right? I had someone years ago on the show call in and say, I want to talk about racism in America. And I said, wow, you mean like Japanese bigotry against people from the Philippines? And he's like, no. Wait, you mean Koreans' antipathy towards Hispanics? No. White racism against blacks. It's the only thing, right? It's the only thing that we can think of. And uh, it's desperately terrible. And uh, it's going to go very badly, very, very, very badly. You can look up the Rivers of Blood speech. It may be that bad or worse. All right. What are your thoughts on direct U.S. military intervention in Venezuela? Sorry if this has just been covered. Come just join the chat. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm torn about all this kind of stuff, and I'm not happy that I'm torn. I just always want to be straight up honest with you guys. I'm really, really torn about this stuff because the suffering of the people in Venezuela is prodigious. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I, you know, when I had this, this tumor on my salivary gland um, – that uh, turned out to be lymphoma. I mean, yeah, to fly down to the States and, and get surgery. And thank you, everyone, again, for helping me out with that. It's hugely important. But imagine you've got a tumor and you're in Venezuela. Imagine you've got a UTI, a urinary tract infection, and you're in Venezuela. You can't get penis. You can't get your, your antibiotics. You can't. Like, God, imagine you got a toothache and you're like, it's horrible. People lost, what, like 18, 20 pounds just in the year or two, right, because they can't get enough to eat. And there was a horrible, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw this video that just like burned itself into my brain, like those stories of German cannibals who find their victims online. But um, there was a a truck that had crashed by the side of the road. And there was some driver who was lying there, I don't know if he's bleeding or half dead or whatever, like in the cab, it was all smashed up and people were just like running past him to get stuff out of the back of the truck that they could sell a pawn or something like that, right? It's horrible there so part of me is like whatever we can do to alleviate that suffering that's great but there's another part of me maybe it's more of a Saxon part of me and there's another part of me that says well let's have a quick look see shall we this is my go to question right it's not perfect but it's not probably way off, right? So you all know. Average IQ Venezuela, what do we got? I looked this up before. Yeah, 84. Believe it or not, that's 23rd in the world. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so Venezuela is got IQ slightly lower than the average in the black community in America. So what are you going to do? You can go in and you can, right? What are you going to do? They cheered for it. They voted for it. They wanted free stuff. They wanted ill-gotten gains handed to them by the state, by the socialists, by the leftists. They were in hot pursuit of stolen goods through the power of the state. And what are the wages of sin? It's a sin. What are the wages of sin? I did an interview with John Waters where we talked about this a little bit. Like, there's no money in the Boomer's Retirement Fund. So in order to cover up this massive shortfall, they're importing all these 
cultures and, and, and races and so on, and it's going to be a disaster. But that's partly because the boomers won't listen to facts about, yeah, you got ripped off, and everyone told you you were getting ripped off, and you trusted the government, which is stupid. We say, well, but we're old, and, and we need this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah, well, it's not the kids' fault. Why should you pillage the kids for the mistakes that you made throughout your entire voting lives? I say this with particular personal emphasis because I have spent 35 goddamn years of my life trying to wake people up to the truth of the evils of the state. And the whole damn time, almost without break, almost without exception, what was I told? Oh, you're a heartless, cold, mean, selfish, greedy bastard. I was humiliated by professors. I was humiliated by teachers. I was called out at parties. I knew I was right. Can't argue with the facts. Can't argue with reason and evidence. But you can, but you're just dumb if you do, right? So I have suffered a lot of slings and arrows of hostility. A lot of boomer reporters wrote the most appalling things about myself and my family. So when the boomers say to me, well, we're victims. No, you're not. No, you're not victims. Because I and countless others warned and warned and warned, and you mocked and slandered and attacked us repeatedly. Your denial of truth is dragging us all off a cliff of disaster. Disaster. So when it comes to Venezuela, no, no military intervention. Send them some copy. Send them some copies of Mises, von Mises' work. Send them some Murray Rothbard. Send them some Ayn Rand. Send them some Milton Friedman. Military? No. They got themselves into this mess by not listening. like in Barton Fink. You just don't listen. No. No military intervention. No more was. <sighs> when will you talk to Patrick Casey from Identity Europa? 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm, look, I'm very busy at the moment. I'm just trying to take on shorter things. So, I don't know. I can't answer that. Look, here's the thing. Look, guys, guys. I'm, I don't mean to sound harsh. I really don't, because I love you guys to death. But I'm going to tell you, like, the, the number of people who try and tell me what to do, how, how to run my show, who I should talk to, what topics I should get involved in, it's like, wh why don't you, why don't you do something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Why don't you do something? Why don't you join a group? Why don't you start a channel? Why don't you, why? Why not? 
say, oh, well, you know, I could get in trouble. It's like, well, if you think it's too much trouble, why the hell are you trying to tell me to do it? I mean, you don't think I've got enough exposure as it is? You don't think I'm not taking, am I not taking enough risks for you as it stands? (laughs) Come on. I'm taking more risks than anyone out there. Anyone. So if you want something done, quit emailing. Start doing what you want to see in the world. That's what I did. If I just sit there, oh, well, you should email this and you should do that. It would be great if you do this. And you got to debate this guy. You gotta, Come on. Get off your asses and do something yourself. If I had taken your approach, you wouldn't have me to nag. Just being blunt with you. <sighs> All right. Ethan Hardy says, thank you for your support. I've heard... You use both approximate sayings, those who can't do, teach, and the best way to show you know something is by teaching it. Can you explain the situations where these would be different? No, I'm sorry, it doesn't interest me that much. But thank you for the support. I'm just, I don't really have much, I don't really think I've said that much about either of those things. All right. Oh, no, I've said the one thing, which is that the Lancashire schools, you would teach someone not something else. So, yeah. Chris Copeland. No, so those who can't do, what it means is, no, you know, you, you, you give me some support. I'm sorry. I'm probably just getting a spillover of uh, annoyance from everyone telling me what to do with my life. But, but um, all right. Those who can't do, teach. So if you want to teach people how to pick stocks, then you should just pick stocks yourself, right? You know, I mean, it's like the guys who like, used to get these calls when I was in business I don't know how they got in my number. I used to get these calls when I was in business where people would say, oh, we got this hot stock. You've got to get on it now. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, you should just buy it yourself. I'm like, Why are you phoning some stranger to buy stock? It's clearly a scam, right? So, um, but yeah, if you really want to know if you understand something, try and really teach someone something conceptually, right? Uh, try and teach someone conceptually something. And, you know, if you can explain UPB in a clear way, good for you. All right. Chris Copeland says, I'm 23 male, above average looks and intelligence. I have not found a romantic relationship because I don't think sex is a valid start of a relationship. Also, I am a devout Zen Buddhist, so can't go to church. Should I compromise? I don't think sex is a valid start of a relationship. Well, yeah, you don't start having sex with someone right away. That's a disaster. It's a disaster. That's a great way to find someone who's going to give you something that's going to make your dick rot off, frankly, or... Someone who's just going to be crazy, right? So you can you can find someone, like a rule of thumb that's good, I think, is a three-month rule. Get to know someone, date, you know, kiss a little, whatever, but don't have sex for the first three months. Find out if you like each other. Talk about values before you start bonding. Like sex is going to release bonding hormones that makes you very vulnerable to crazy people. And that's why, you know, like cults will give you a love bomb. Well, women, if you're a man, women will give you the sex bomb. Right? Like Tom Jones style, right? They'll give you the sex bomb and then you'll bond with them and then you'll be putty in their hands, right? So, yeah, just get to know the woman first. But just because you don't want sex at the beginning doesn't mean you can't have a romantic relationship. Jeremy Swartz says, thanks for all your great content, Stefan. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Edward Bernays. Hey, that seems familiar. Any thoughts on the rise of breast ironing in the UK? I'm sorry. I don't even know what that means. Feel free to put that in the chat. I don't know what that means. Sorry. Rolles Carvelis, uh, thank you for your support. Roberto Francois, love your work. But if you can have it your way, please elaborate on how you would regulate migration from the third world to the West. Keep in mind, 
Life really, really sucks in Haiti, where I am from. Ah, Francois, that makes sense. All right. Well, um, boy, how would I regulate third world migration? Well, okay, so, I mean, there's magic wand time, which is sort of the, the magic wand. So the magic wand is there's no welfare state. Right. So uh, people, you know, you've probably seen this meme where like, oh, the migrants are just fleeing from violence. Right. And there's like a Syria war. And then all of these like 20 countries around them, not at war. And then like in the northwest of Europe and England, there's benefits. And it's like they go through all these countries that aren't at war just to get to the benefits. They're just coming for the benefits, man. They're just coming for to it's reverse colonialism. Right. So colonialism was when the leaders made deals with the British or the Dutch or the French or whoever, right? They made deals with these people to come in and exploit their resources, and the people weren't consulted. They didn't want; they were forced to to subsidize all of this. So you got reverse colonialism, where people come from the third world to the first world against the will of the people. Nobody asks, nobody votes against the will of the people, and the people are forced to pay for it. Right? I mean, it's colonialism. It's it's the same deal. And. So, yeah, no, no welfare state, no welfare state, and no subsidies, uh, and no government schools, and all this, that, and the other. So, the average person, let's say you're talking about sub-Saharan African, you got average IQ of 70, it's simply not worth making the journey, because what happens in a free society is that you get more and more and more automation, which means you have less and less and less use for people with an IQ of 70 or 80, right? Like this is the Jordan Peterson point that, you know, there's really not much to do in the modern world for people who've got an IQ below 83, 82, something like that. The army can't find anything to do with people with an IQ of 82 or lower, right? They just can't find any anything for them to do, right? There's a story of McNamara's morons, like one of the reasons why America lost in the Vietnam War is because they got all the, they lowered the IQ requirements for people coming to the military. And then there was this guy, like he thought it was really hilarious to pretend to pull the pin out of a grenade and roll it into people because they'd scream and they'd write. And then eventually, of course, he'd actually then he'd blew people up, right? It's just, this is what you fit. You can't find. So if the army can't find, with all of its subsidies and all of its, you know, put people, right, you know, the old line in the army, if it moves, move it. If it doesn't move, paint it. They can't find anything for these people to do. That there's no, the modern economy will find no use for these people. They can't get paid. They won't come. They won't come. They won't come. Another possibility is if you want to bring someone in from your family and they commit a crime, you go to jail. Or it's another possibility, right? They get deported and you serve the prison sentence, right? To make sure that you don't bring anyone in who's a criminal. Make sure that they stay on the straight and narrow. That's a possibility. If you bring someone in and they can't pay their debts, you have to pay their debts. You, this used to be, you, you, you sign a guarantee for them. You are their guarantor, so to speak. You guarantee their credit. You co-sign everything that they do for the first five. Whatever. I don't know what a free society would do because we're so far away from it. Equality under the law. Absolute equality under the law. No laws based on gender. No laws based on race or based on ethnicity. Nothing like that. That's what a free society would work out for sure. So if you have somebody, let's say you've got some relative with an IQ of 85, he's a young man, and um, you want to bring him over, well, um, where's he going to get a job? 
I mean, imagine going to, to, to Hong Kong with an IQ of 80 and trying to get a job. Everything's automated, right? Or it's going to be soon. So what would that person do? No job for them. So why would they come? Say, ah, oh, well, you know, I want him to have access to the Okay, well, then if you want to come over and you want to pay all his bills, but he's got an IQ of 80 or 85, means he's much more likely to commit crimes. You want that? He's going to get deported. You have to serve the sentence. But that's what, I mean, that's what something I would be interested in because I don't want people bringing people over and then I have to pay the bills for them going to jail or whatever it's going to be, right? I mean, there could be any number of ways in which to solve this, but a free society would work it out in a productive manner. All right. Let's see here. Double Dog Bear, thank you again. Didn't want to share this competitive advantage, but I'd rather see intelligent people making babies. The group Art of Charm has the most comprehensive, effective, blah, 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 on how males can become what women instinctively want. Okay, I can't say, but, you know, thank you for the support. Uh, what have I got here? Ah, Nate from Norway says, thanks for such a long answer, sir. Still scared of the future of whites in the Western world. I love your content, though. It gives me joy daily. So that's what the extra donation is for from Norway. Thank you. And uh, listen, it's a fact. It's a fact that shocks people. If you're not white, you really don't know what racism is. You don't. You don't. You may think you do. But if you're not white, you really don't know what racism is. Because let's say you're black and some white acts towards you in a racist manner that's, you know, obviously offensive and derogatory and insulting and, and horrible. Well, you publish this, you, you, you bring people's attention to it and everybody piles on the white guy and, and supports you and, and apologizes on the white guy's behalf and, and tries to destroy his life and you've got allies everywhere, everywhere. Everyone sees it, reacts on it, and is on your side. But if... A non-white is racist towards you and you're a white. People don't even see it. They don't, they don't even notice it. Or they blame you. Well, it's just blowback for colonialism. Or you have white privilege. They can't be racist towards you. You, don't, you have power. They don't. They can't be. Right? People won't, they don't even see it. What's, if you're white staring you right in the face. So, yeah, you don't know what racism is if you're not white. Sorry. It's just a logical argument. Get mad at me if you want. Facts are facts. All right. You guys having fun? I'm having fun. All right. A couple more. Joseph Spano says, do you believe white American males alienated by progressivism in the States should vote with their feet and move to more racially homogenous, less politically correct countries such as Russia? I don't know. I think if you're interested in moving to places like Poland and, and so on, i Certainly think it's worth exploring and worth examining. I don't know the answer to that as yet. And I, I, I'll keep my eyes peeled, though. And if I see something, I will let you know. All right. Bradley Ingram. In South Africa, there is likely to be a civil war soon with ethnic cleansing against whites very possible. Would you support foreign, volu foreign volunteers joining defense groups and the secession or creation of a white ethno state? So, yeah, that's an interesting question. So, yes, without a doubt, there's escalation, anti-white rhetoric and hysteria, and there's going to be violence. Yeah. I've always said, anybody who wants to go fight in a war, it's your deal. You know, so people say, oh, you know, we should invade Iraq because Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. I'm like, oh, so go. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of war. I'm not a big fan. But, you know, 
um, if the police, it's, it's, a, it's a moral argument, right? So if the police can act on your behalf with regards to self-defense, then you can act on behalf of other people's self-defense as well, right? So yes, the creation of a white ethnostate, um, whites need to get to a safe place. And uh, if the way that they do that is through an ethnostate, there won't be any ethnic cleansing among whites. So that's certainly something to look into. Ah, Jeff Hafley, thoughts on Old Testament prophecies, such as the prediction that Tyre would be destroyed and the ruins cast in the sea. Alexander did this in 332. Yeah, I don't uh, don't know much about that, but uh, I'm not a big one for uh, prophecies. So uh, let's see here. Am I missing anyone else just before we may close off for the night? It's been uh, really enjoyable, though. Let me just make sure, because I know I miss people. I'm so sorry if I do. I mean, I really, really appreciate everyone's support. So let me just scroll through here and make sure I got everyone who wants to be got. Are Slavs white? I think so. Well, see, Stefan kind of looks like John Malkovich. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. What was that one movie he was in with... Um, Uma Thurman way back in the day. He was really, really good. He was hot. Steph, you get more live streamers than the MSM. Well, yeah, yeah, a couple thousand. That's very, very nice. Um, let me just see here. Um, what do you think of Bitcoin today with the high transaction fees? Oh, well, you know, you try paying bills through a bank uh, uh, internationally, it's a mess. Um, so, no, I, I still have uh, very um, positive thoughts about Bitcoin. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it was the Jerusalem Post. So people talking about Israel. So the Jerusalem Post um, put out an article. I think it was today. It was posted today on Twitter. And the Jerusalem Post was like, Iran hangs a man for homosexuality, right? Oh, that's bad, right? Not a big fan of Iranian government, of course, but... Funny story. Turns out in the article, he also kidnapped two 15-year-old boys. Hmm. Gay man who kidnaps two 15-year-old boys. It might have been a little bit more than the homosexuality. So, yeah, this is sort of my concern, right? I mean, are American troops staying in the Middle East because of Israel? Yeah, pretty sure they are. Is that understandable for Israel to ask for and to do? Well, sure. If you can get other people to do your dirty work, why wouldn't you? So it's not the you know, but people gotta people gotta understand, right? That uh, of course, right? So so this Jerusalem Post thing is like, well, let's paint a negative picture of Iran, right? They're just hanging people for being gay. It's like, well, it's not a great government, and it's not a great rule, even perhaps, to hang people for being right. I get all of that, but why do they want to light us? Why does the Jerusalem Post want us to really, really dislike Iran? Well, I wonder. Steph, you are more attractive with Dark Shadow. Well, let me tell you something. Okay, this is like, sorry, we, we, we've now entered the part of the live stream where we do goofy stories. Well, I appreciate that. Look, I mean, everybody, I, I like to scrub a little bit of my, but you know, the veto comes from the people who kiss me. And since there's only my wife who kisses me that way, um, she gets the veto. And if she doesn't like the beard, I become giant thumb guy. So, yeah, I, I like the scrub a little too. I like the beard. It's nice in the winter. It's been like minus 20 around here, minus 15 with wind chill. And minus 20 has been really, really, even too cold to ski. But anyway, 
So, yeah, I like the scrub, but uh, you ain't kissing me, so I ain't listening to you about that. So I appreciate that. Uh, I do like a little bit of shadow, but uh, and also I'm sorry for being so close up here, but um, it's a new setup and I wanted to keep the mic uh, close, so I'm up close. Did the U.S. fake the moon landing? Don't think so. <laughs> Don't think so. What are your thoughts on Western Canadian independence? I mean, do it. <laughs> do it, because uh, it ain't going well elsewhere. Is John Malkovich Jewish? Don't know. Grow a skullet. Oh, is that the John Waters thing where it does go back, right? Uh, am, I, am I Zionist scum? I don't know. I don't think I am. Anyway, Brexit is in tatters. Should I do something on, on Brexit? Should I? I don't know. I don't know. I'm half and half. Part of me is like, I don't want to be like that cliche doctor in the medical dramas that's like, keeps pumping the heart of the guy he wants to save, and the nurse is like, he's gone, he's gone. I'm like, no. I don't know. <laughs> Great who white north. That's kind of funny. All right. Let's see here. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's see here. Uh, you're the best defense. Says maximum liberty. Thank you very much. Liam Wright says thanks for your talks on Australia. Good resources and thoughts for homeschooling, especially with networking child social circles. P.S. Hope you got a new umbrella. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I did this great little speech in Perth. Uh, the videographer has not given me the video, and and I don't know if I'll ever get it, but. Um, I'll see if I can recreate a little bit of it here. So there was a sad bunch of little protesters, and it was raining. And, and you know, they had all this emo crap on their faces, like the mascara and all of that. And so they were all like, you know, you capitalist scum or whatever, all a bunch of lefties, right? And and we felt, you know, Lauren and I were down there to give a speech and, and as part of the Australia tour. And um, we felt kind of kind of bad for these these protesters, like they're holding up these signs, right? I mean, how bad we are and, and, and all of that. You know, but they're, they've got these kind of noodle arms. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's heavy, you know, it's a heavy sign. This is probably more physical labor than they've ever done in my life. See how I circle back from the beginning of the show. And so we felt kind of bad, right? They're out there, it's raining, their signs are sagging. They're Annie Lennox, Queen concert. Mascara is dripping down their faces. You know, it's puddling and pooling like like tears in rain. <laughs> so we felt kind of bad, right? So we had an umbrella and, and a couple of umbrellas. And we, we sent the umbrellas out and went out with the umbrellas to, to give them to the protesters. And, you know, so that now I realize it's putting even more burden on their noodle arms to hold an umbrella and a sign. But, you know, at least they have the option to not dissolve into vertical raccoon stripes of socialist patheticness and so you know they're leftists right so they're really really keen on not exploiting people and boy they'd, they'd sure hate to steal from anyone right <laughs> so i guess their arms ran out of juice eventually you know they went totally al dente and their noodle arms drooped down like like little cartoon hoses and all that and so we give I think I think I went first that night because so I give my no Lauren went first that night. So I, <laughs> by the time I, I'm off to give my speech, the, the protesters have left. 
and they stole our umbrellas. <laughs> Was it Brisbane? I can't remember where we were. Oh man, these these don't exploit people. Hey, we can steal these umbrellas. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So I'm sorry that that is a bit of an inside joke. Hope you got a new umbrella. No, they never brought it back. Of course they didn't, right? Any more than they're bringing the West back if we let them, right? All right. Um, Drinky Crow says, are you gay? Just kidding. I won 10 million on a scratcher. What did I do? Oh, you gave a donation. Slightly less than 10 mil. I really appreciate that. Very, very kind. Thank you. Let me tell you something, though. Not particularly about gays. But I'll tell you something anyway. So I don't know how many of you out there are like, you have kids and stuff, right? But I, uh, how much time you have to put in to parenting it means it's really, really an unfair contest when it comes to social influence between people who have kids and people who don't have kids. Really not very fair. I just want to point that out. When it comes to activism, like people who don't have jobs and people who don't have kids, it's really, really not fair. Now, if you have kids, you influence the next generation. But if you don't have kids and you've got time to walk around and scream at people all day and, and you just you have extra money, you have extra time, you don't have to work as hard. I mean, it's, it's really not fair. Not fair at all. And this is one of the reasons why groups without kids can have a real advantage, all other things being equal to groups with kids in a, quote, democracy, right? Just wanted to point that out, so. I was just thinking about that today. You do great work, but yeah, Owen is great. I'm millionaire bear. Yeah, I like Owen. All right. Joshua says, I fear I am low IQ. I often feel useless and unimportant. Do you have any advice to overcome these feelings? That is very interesting. Now, I did something like this, uh, I think it was the last couple of weeks ago. But anyway, I'll just give you the very, very brief synopsis here. Right? Check out the last live stream or two. I talked about this. So first of all, low IQ is not a problem. Like, it does limit you in terms of what you can do, but we're all limited, right? I'm limited in not worrying about the future because I'm high IQ, right? I I'm, I'm sometimes have trouble going to sleep uh, because my mind is racing or, or doing its thing, right? I'm just kind of riding this thing like a, someone strapped to the back of an epileptic dragon in a windstorm. But... Um, there are real benefits to that. It doesn't mean that you are not a full human being. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have exactly the same rights as everyone else, of course, right? It doesn't mean you can't have love. It doesn't mean you can't have contribution to your society. It doesn't mean that you're going to be unhappy. Happiness is not related to IQ. I'd love to sing. I'd love, I hear great singers and I'm, I would like what I would, just for, just give me five minutes to be able to sing like that. I'd record everything, right? I mean, I just, but I can't sing that well. I'm like an okay amateurish kind of guy, right? Not terrible, but, you know, it's not great, right? And I would love to, you know, there's all things, you know, when I first started losing my hair, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to do (laughs) sit-ups, right? But we're all limited in some manner, and don't feel useless and unimportant if you have lower IQ. That's sort of the first thing. You can have a perfectly, you can have a life as happy as as I or anyone else, and you may be happier as well. So don't, like, if you compare your weaknesses to other people's strengths, you will always feel inadequate, always. And it's a, it's a cheap way of putting yourself down. 
So there's people out there much more handsome than if I just stare at them, right? There's people out there who don't have any middle-aged muffin tops. You know, I got a little bit of one. It's not bad, but, you know, I can look at the guys with, like, rock-hot abs and I, oh, I don't have that. I can look at the guys who, you know, through no particular virtue of their own have thick hair in their 70s and say, that's not fair. It doesn't matter. If I compare my shortcomings or deficiencies or weaknesses of work to other people's strengths, what does that do? It just makes me feel small. It just makes me feel diminished. It's pointless. So if you're going to say, well, my low IQ, if this is true, to somebody else's high IQ, that makes me useless and unimportant. Why? Why? You can be a good dad. You can be a good worker. You can be a good husband. You can be a good person. You can have meaning. You can have satisfaction. You can have love. You. It's a buffet of, of possibilities in terms of what you can have emotionally, right? I say, oh, well, you know, I can't be a brain surgeon. Hey, neither can I. I don't like cutting people's heads open. Uh, I, uh, I'm not particularly facile with math, as those of you who've seen me try to do it on the fly can testify to. Uh, there's lots of things that I, I'm, you know, I'm terrible at learning foreign languages. Ter- I spoke German when I was a kid. Can't barely remember. Peter, Peter geht an den See. Ich übergeige. I, mean, I can't remember barely any of it. I took years of French. I can maybe get by in a restaurant. That's about it. Really bad at learning foreign language. Computer languages. I counted it up once that I know like 15 different computer languages. And some of them pretty well. But human languages, like learning other languages, I'm terrible. Terrible at it. I'm bad at remembering why bad things happened. Right? Like, oh, why did I, why do I... Why do I not hang out with this person anymore? Like, I genuinely can't remember. My wife is like, boom, 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 right? Okay, (laughs) now I remember, right? So if I'm going to sit there and say, well, this person is better organized than me. This person is better at math than me. This person's a better singer. This person, whatever, right? I'm just comparing my shortcomings, deficiencies, weaknesses to other people's strengths. That's no fun. You can go through your whole life feeling insignificant. Because trust me, I guarantee you, there are people out there who look at you and are comparing your weaknesses, sorry, their weaknesses to your strengths and saying, I feel insignificant relative to you. So it's just this whole chain of, like, I was saying this to my daughter the other day. I remember seeing this cartoon years ago. It's very interesting. It was Vanity. And you know how, like, you want to date someone more attractive than you and all that, right? So there was an ugly guy looking at a slightly less ugly woman wantingly, and then the slightly less likely woman looking at a slightly more attractive guy longingly, and this all went until there was the most perfectly beautiful guy at the top, and he was just looking in the mirror. <laughs> right? so, I mean, really, it's important, right? Don't feel useless or unimportant. You can have a great life, man. You can have a great life. Plus, if you're listening to this show, you're going to be wiser than most people who don't, just about everyone who doesn't, because let's say you, you're, you've you got a low IQ or whatever, like it's 90 or 80, but you've got philosophy. So you like you could say, like, I'm a weak guy with a forklift truck. You can still lift more than a guy who doesn't have a forklift truck. So you can still have a great and effective and positive life with low IQ if you have philosophy because you'll be wiser and more sensible than people with PhDs who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. So that's important. And the other thing, too, is maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Listen, I don't sit there and say, man, I really missed my opportunity as a ballet dancer. Like, (laughs) you want to talk about another deficiency? I'm about as flexible as a slab of sidewalk. Like, I've never been able to touch my toes. I can't even get close. I can get, like, I don't know, like a hand's breadth below my knees. Like, I had a friend, uh, it was 
one of the best men at my wedding. Judo guy, you can like push his face in, in between his knees. This is insane. And I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I had lumbago, which is, if my memory serves, it's been a while. It's like you're, you're, I have the tendons of a short guy, but I'm above average in height. Like I'm just a shade under six foot. I'd say six foot because men add half an inch to everything, right? But I have the tendons of a short guy, but I have the bones of a long guy. And when I was a kid, it was very uncomfortable for a lot of times. And I had to have these really, really hot baths because I'd have these aches and pains like like I was some sort of a ski instructor, ex-ski instructor in his 70s with arthritis or something. And so I I, I, I can't stretch. I, I stretch every day, honestly. I, otherwise, I get jimmy legs at night. So I stretch every day, stretch out my hamstrings and all. I have to do that. But I don't sit there and say, man, did I ever miss my calling as a ballet dancer, right? Because you have to have some flexibility and, and obviously a desire and all that. So if you feel like like you're not achieving something, it could be because you have the potential to achieve it, right? I don't sit, like I like to sing, but I don't sit there and say, man, I missed my calling as a singer. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because I don't have the physical voice to sing that well. And I took singing lessons. I took singing lessons in, in, in theater school for a year and a half. I, I took private singing lessons before I went to theater school to see if I could get what I wanted out of my voice. And I can't. I couldn't. Occasionally, occasionally sometimes your voice is better. Sometimes it's worse and all that. And, you know, the life of a singer. I remember reading about Phil Collins, you know, the something in the air tonight singer guy. And, and he didn't have a great relationship with his kids when he was touring. Why? Because he had to fax them back in the day, right? Why did he have to fax him? Because he couldn't talk on the phone because he had to save his voice for his concerts. That's a pretty heavy price to pay. He had a pretty robust voice too, but yeah, he had to really protect it. Of course, right? You got millions of dollars whether or not you can sing that night. You can't even chat with your kids on the phone. It's really, really sad. So so my, my point is that Oh, and I also stretched when I was in theater school. I took movement classes, dance classes, uh, stage fighting classes. We stretched like crazy. And I also took yoga for years. And it and, uh, and doesn't change. You can't make your tendons longer. Anyway, so if you fear that you have low IQ, you feel useless and unimportant, maybe that's because there's a potential within you that's far greater than what you're doing. Maybe your feelings of, of I could do better or, or I'm feeling unimportant is because maybe you could be important. Maybe you're feeling useless because you could be of great utility to the world. Maybe. Maybe. Because I don't look at things that I believe I could have done and say, if I, if I, like, sorry, I don't look at things I couldn't have done and say, I have regret. You know, I was curious about whether I'd make it as an actor. So I went to theater school and I wrote plays and I directed and I auditioned and I did some plays and you know, it was okay, but I had too many of my own words to spend my life mouthing off other people's. I wanted to be some highly sophisticated Marlon Brando sock puppet for other people's language because I got my own language. Thank you very much. I don't want to be a cover band. I want to do original material. So that could be an indication. I know I said it was going to be a short answer, but it could be an indication that you've got a greater potential than you think. So then I would, next question is I would look and say, did anyone diminish my potential? Now, if I hadn't done philosophy... If I had stayed in the business world for money, if I hadn't done philosophy, if I didn't take that massive 75% pay cut to do philosophy back in the day, that I would regret. That I always knew I was going to be able to do something powerful with my life. And thanks to you guys and the internet, and I can. All right. 
Let's see here. Boy, you guys are too much fun. Too many great questions. Veld says, I don't have an argument to offer, so I thought I'd make a donation instead. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I certainly will. Drinky cow. <laughs> I do judo, and I'm very flexible, so I can. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. Well, most men can't, which is why we date. All right. Anthony Stravlo says uh, thank you, and um, yeah, good. Look, look at this. We're, we're just up on two hours. So listen, um, I probably should close things down. If there's anything that you're dying to get just down here at the very end, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Look at that. We've got 60 messages a minute, thousands and thousands of messages. Lead the second revolution, Stefan. We shall see. We shall see. When are you going to make one million subscribers? Well, here's the thing. I bet you we are over a million. See, YouTube says that if somebody says, if somebody decides to not display their subscriptions, like who they're subscribed to, then you don't see it in your subscription list. So I bet you were well over uh, a million at the moment. But yeah, this, I don't know, a um, couple of months. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Baba Booey, Baba Booey. Well, I just, you know, that that's going to live in eternity now. Uh, all right. Um, David says, considering how men in America have to pay for the vote through signing up for selective service and face fines and jail time for failing to do so, do you think in America have the right to vote? Yeah, you know, this is a tweet I did some time back ago where they said to men, um, like men only got the vote a couple of decades before women, and they said to men, well, you can have the vote, but you're going to have to sign up to get your heads blown off in foreign wars. And... Men said, okay, yeah, well, again, we'll take the vote, and, and sure, okay. Don't like it, but that's the way it is. And then they said to women, well, you, you can have the vote, but uh, you may have to end up in dangerous jobs. You may, net, may, may not get gynocentric preference in the legal system, and you can't get infinite money out of divorces. And uh, we really would like you to submit to fair and objective standards of proof when it comes to accusations of sexual misconduct for men. And women said... No, just a vote. Thank you. Just a vote. <laughs> None of that other stuff. Uh, Alberta Freethinker says, thanks for your hard work. Philosophy Club says, have you changed your mind on the Jewish question yet? <laughs> Sorry, Squire, the record stuck. Sorry, Squire, the record stuck. Sorry, Squire, the record stuck. Yeah, you know, if, if Alberta does separate, it'd be nice to have some place to go. <laughs> so feel free. Feel free. Does size matter? If so, is girth or length? No, size doesn't matter because the woman's uh, vagina is expandable or not, right? All right. Are there aliens? There are. Uh, a lot of them in Southern California. Um, how big a role did Engels play in feminism? I don't know. Loved your work in hoax. This is Blocky Media. Loved your work in hoax. Your bit on the allegory of the cave was bloody brilliant. Oh, thank you. And and listen, go hoaxedmovie.com. Go go watch Hoax. That's five bucks US and change. Uh, watch it with people. Watch with friends. It is a good movie. And I will say, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons I went to Poland. Like I said, I did Hoax a year and a half ago, a year or three quarters ago. And the directors were like, uh, it wasn't my idea. It's, it's a great idea. The directors were like, hey, maybe you could do a story of the allegory of the cave. Uh, while you're uh, w walking out of a cave. And it's like, yeah, okay, that sounds fun. And I completely forgot about it until the day of the filming. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go to a cave. I'm like, oh, yeah. So we did like two takes. 
And um, it, it came out really, really well. And we were just packing up when I saw this beautiful band of red light along the top of the mountains in California. And we're just not that far from the Hollywood sign. And I'm like, guys, guys, let's get the camera out. Get this footage. Get this. So I walked back out and we got this amazing footage of this red lime. It was like the, it was like the entire mountain range had put scarlet lipstick on in, in the sunset. It was amazing. And uh, when I saw the final footage, which I saw an early version of it, um, it hasn't changed much. Uh, it was about a year ago, I think, or maybe eight months ago. I saw that because I, I was watching the, a, a first cut of the movie and I liked it. And then I completely had forgotten again. <laughs> no memory. I live in the moment. And I was watching it. And then the, this cold breeze came up and, and then... I realized that the end of the movie was me doing the cave allegory, which, again, I'd kind of forgotten about. And I watched it, and I, it really gave me goosebumps. And I'm like, man, i got to do more of that. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. That's really good. Finally, what is it? Uh, years after getting out of theater school, I finally made a movie. All right. Yeah, so watched Hoax for sure. Ah, much love to you and your works, fan. Trans woman here. I'm horrified at kids in drag like Desmond and Lactatia. I find this appalling and destructive. What are your thoughts on this? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. I don't think it's right. Ah, Somastica, sorry, Somastic69 says, will you lead the online pro-white coalition in the 2020 election? I don't know what that means, so feel free to clarify it at some point. Final thoughts on the Covington Catholic event. That was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I really did a really good video on that. And Robert Barnes of Barnes Law said it was really, really good, and I appreciate that. It was very kind for him to say so. And uh, it just didn't do that well view-wise, partly because I didn't want to put it out at the same time as Hoax because I wanted Hoax to get the attention. And so it came out a little bit late, and um, uh, I just didn't get the view. So if you guys watch it and share it, it would make me feel better. But anyway, did you see the lawyer, Robert Barnes, demanding retractions from people who slandered those kids? Got to admit that made me smile. Oh, yeah, I hope that they take these guys to the effing cleaners. I just hope that they do. I hope that they do. Because what the media did was absolutely appalling. And I do want to understand, I do want people to understand that the leftists will burn these companies to the ground. They don't care about. They don't care about uh, how all these companies do in the long run. They just want to. Um, they just want to, they'll burn up these these um, companies just to, to put their crap through, right? All right. Let's see here. Propertarianism. Okay. Of course, do Brexit. I don't know. Uh, where is Mike? Yeah, I mean, things change. Uh, pollution is based on numbers. Okay, that's right. Fine. Okay, I think we're. Uh, I think we're good. I think we're good. Should the magazines sue Phillips? Well, he he lied. I mean, I don't know what you're gonna get from old cranky met meth teeth. I don't know what you're gonna get from him, but uh, we'll see. All right, what's the IQ of Stefan? <laughs> it's interesting. It's not an argument. All right. Well, thanks everyone so much. Uh, I, I could really, I could do it all night long, baby. But um, I really, really appreciate your um, your thoughts, uh, your support, your your kindness, uh, and please, you know, like, subscribe, and share. I don't really remind people to do that often enough. And if you're listening to this on podcast or something like that, if you could go to freedomainradio.com. Slash donate to help me out. Uh, subscriptions are really, really important. They really do help me plan. I've got more documentaries uh, in the works that I want to get moving on and other things and all of that. So I'm sorry to not get the last questions, uh, but uh, I do want to start thinking about Betty Bedtime. And I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. 
my love to you all with great uh, sincerity. And um, I wish I had a better closing. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Talk to you soon. Lots of love. Well, thank you so much for enjoying this latest free domain show on philosophy. And I'm going to be frank and ask you for your help, your support, your encouragement, and your resources. Please like, subscribe, and share, and all of that good stuff to get philosophy out into the world. And also, equally importantly, go to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, to give me the resources that I need to bring more and better philosophy to an increasingly desperate world. So thank you so much for your support, my friends. freedomain.com forward slash donate.